Welcome to episode 36 of the Family Geekery Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Amber. And I'm Danny. And today we are going to do a character spotlight on another Marvel superhero. And this one is going to be on Namor. Kind of timely because of the recent appearance in some movie that came out recently. Yeah. I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago. But before we get too deep into that... We're going to do a deep dive into Namor. Get it? See what I did there? <laughs> nice. Before we start with that, let's talk about our weeks, girls. Anything happening this week? Let's start with Amber. Um, yeah, I finished Wednesday. Um, last week, I talked about that. And um, I really liked it. I know some people have their opinions about it. But I found it overall really enjoying to watch. Um and it had a really cool story and a really good ending. So that was pretty cool. Um, also, there was a new trailer, or the first trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, yeah, I saw and that. It looks really cool, except Groot looks kind of weird. <laughs> I thought he looked a little goofy because he's, like, really wide. <laughs> yeah, like he grew up, but... He didn't grow up to look like his old self. Yeah. Um, And lastly, um, the Overwatch season is ending. Um, And I think the new season starts today when this episode goes up. I think the sixth is the new new season. Mm, Um, Tomorrow. Oh, it could be tomorrow. I don't know. But with that, they're having a new tank hero, um, Ramatra. And a new battle pass with some cool Greek mythology um, skins, which Danny um, told me about when she found out, um, which was pretty cool. And I'm really excited for that. Cool. How about you, Danny? Well, Amber took my news. I was going to talk about <laughs> Overwatch seasons. <laughs> Um, because I've been getting into Overwatch lately, and I'll probably buy the next um, Battle Pass because of the cool Greek mythology skins and stuff. They have, like, um, I think the last tier is Zeus, and then I think they have, like, Medusa and stuff, things like that. Yeah. Only half of the ones are in the Battle Pass, though. I think the other ones are just in the store, which is unfortunate, but... That's okay. I'll take some, not free skins, but skins that cost you the battle pass money, I guess. Yeah. yeah you could just save that money and just play Smite. <laughs> well, Smite's not as fun as Overwatch. It is true. Well, you don't yeah. like being being yelled at by random 14-year-olds <laughs> about how bad you stink at the game? That's, I mean... That's my sole purpose of playing. <laughs> All right, Dan, anything else? Nope, that's it. I'm sorry for taking your news. It's okay, I guess. You also took my news about the uh, oh. Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, I saw the, saw the trailer. It was really good. You let me talk first, so. I, I like the uh, the music in the background. Mm. I like the trend of trailers and, and shows and movies and stuff recently taking songs of, of my generation and kind of like slowing them down and making them a little bit more emo. And and then all the people of your generation like, ooh, that's a good song. I wonder what that <laughs> is. 
and it's uh i think pretty much a one-hit wonder the band was called space hog and their song was called in the meantime so check that out listen to the real version of it and then go back and watch that trailer again and see how they kind of emoted up a little bit nice. i saw another trailer recently with a metallica song in it oh i think it was uh midnight suns the trailer for the game midnight suns um had for whom the bell tolls by metallica but a much different version of it really really good version and that game came out yesterday or friday of this past week i remember you were saying you wanted to play that yeah i wasn't sure what because i only saw the previews before you know like the trailers and stuff i didn't know what kind of game it was and then i found out what kind of game it was and now i'm kind of on the fence because it's a turn-based strategy card-based battle game (laughs) okay i just wanted to run around as wolverine and like tear people up (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna make it a turn-based strategy they liken it a lot to the XCOM series of strategy games, which was probably before your time. But um, it's kind of it's kind of uh, divided the the people of the people who loved XCOM are like, no, this is nothing as good as XCOM, and then the people who don't like XCOM are like, oh, this is way too much like XCOM. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you know how the internets are never happy. Yeah. But they uh, they've got some some bugginess with the uh i guess jankiness with the um, performance so far it's it's kind of choppy but i'm sure the company behind it's gonna take care of that because they they're pretty good at, at making video games but nice. uh, I'll, I'll wait and see see if it's something that that interests me but for now i'm just gonna hold off a little bit we have been playing uh i've been playing some marvel snap though i finally finally downloaded that and tried it out that's a good one. And heard today a rando in a comic book store talk about how he was playing Snap. Danny and I were at a comic book store today, and some rando was in there talking about how he doesn't know anything about comics, but he started playing Marvel Snap, and he decided he better pick up some comics. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So, very good. So, we are going to get into the character of Namor, or the Submariner, and... Uh, we're just barely going to scratch the surface again, not not another intentional pun (laughs) Um, because he is one of the oldest superheroes in the Marvel um, lineup. And there's just no way you could cover his impact on the Marvel universe. So (laughs) we're just going to pick a couple. We picked four issues of comics to read through just to kind of get his, uh, his origin story straight and we're going to review through those and those four comics i'll list them out first is marvel comics number one that and yes that is what it sounds like marvel (laughs) comics number one from august of 1939 oh my Um, gosh fantastic four number four which is from 1962 may of 1962 and then in the 80s he had a 12-issue miniseries called Saga of the Submariner, and that was from 1988. And then in 1990, he had his own series, finally called Namor, and uh, that started in April of 1990. So some of them overlap a little bit in their origin stories. Some of them have variations of the origin stories, but we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So starting off, 
all the way back in 1939 with the first Marvel comic called Marvel Comics Number One. Yeah, <laughs> which was a uh, a story of, I guess, multiple heroes or multiple stories. It'd be you can't call him a hero in that one, <laughs> as we're gonna find out soon. Um, but it covers the Human Torch, the Angel, the Masked Raider, um, the Submariner, and then had a bonus little feature in there of Kazar of the Jungle. So all these little uh, stories all combined, and and we read through the one that covers Namor. Yeah. And I think Amber's gonna cover that issue. Yeah, so this one's kind of brutal. I don't know. That was my first impression reading this. Me too. Um, so it starts off with these sailors and deep sea divers that are trying to um, look at this shipwreck and, and see what's down there. And um, so the, the diver comes up and he says that there was nothing in the safe. Um, there was nothing there except a knife that didn't look like it was old and didn't look like it was part of this old shipwreck. Um, so he thinks there's something suspicious happening and the captain of the boat uh, sends the guy back down with another diver. And so both of them go down and uh, to investigate the shipwreck further and they see that um, a hatch is open that the first diver could have sworn was shut. So now they're really thinking that something's suspicious. Um, And so once they get down there, they see the guy that has been, you know, rummaging around. You know, they see Namor. um, A swimmer. They say, hey, look, it's a swimmer. It's a swimmer. (laughs) They see Namor. Um, Good to see that he's got his iconic eyebrows all the way back in the 30s <laughs> um and that's a feature that has stayed um, and his widow peak yeah <laughs> um so we we see him and immediately namor just goes to attack them he cuts off their um air supply and their um like communications wire so these two guys are stuck down here and all they have left is the air that's in their um in their helmets and namor's confused because they don't look like humans but they're human shaped so he's a little confused and his first thought is to crush their skulls so that's what he does (laughs) he just flat out murders them (laughs) (laughs) no questions asked doesn't talk to them nothing at all he just crushes them um the captain and other sailors at the top are um confused they see bubbles um, at the surface, um, realizing that something's going on, but they don't have communications to the divers. Um, so they're upset and they send one guy, one last guy down there to investigate. And <laughs> once the guy gets down there, he's like, nope, nope, pull me up right now. Pull yeah. me up. He sees um, the bodies. <laughs> he sees the bodies. He wants out of there. So he gets out, but Namor is like, well, none of you guys are going to go anywhere. And he grabs the, um, the, what, the rudder and the uh, propeller and just stops the boat and then smashes it into a rock or something. Or Yeah, he swims it right into a yeah. like, little island. So he just 
wants them all gone. And it doesn't say if they survive, but I doubt they do. <laughs> so then he's like, nice, I've got these two guys, my, my prize. And Namor turned from blue to green. So he's green now. Um, he was blue with red hair. Now he's green with blonde hair. I guess just to denote that there's a different place. I don't know. Um, so he brings these two dead guys um, to a a fish bug looking guy who <laughs> is a king of some sort. <laughs> I don't know. And he offers these two guys as a gift to him. Um, and then he takes off their helmets and he realizes that, oh, they are humans. Um, and his mom, who looks really weird, comes and, you know, congratulates him on, on. I see where he gets his eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so his mom comes and congratulates him on, uh, killing these people and being a good revenge guy, um. And so then um, she describes her experience with with Earthmen um, and kind of gives a little background um, at, to that where she says that she was a spy when, um, when Earthmen came and um, started attacking, not knowing that there was like a civilization under the water. Um, and so she explains that she met Namor's dad um, in 1920 um, at the South Pole where they lived. And he was investigating um, with his crew. Um, and she was a spy to figure out why they were there, basically. And since she was the most woman looking of the people. <laughs> so she went up there and fell in love with the... Um, captain of that ship who is Mackenzie um, and so they kind of fall in love and she you know keeps having to go to the water every now and then because she's not made for um, above the water um, and she explains that she fell in love with the captain um, and had Namor and then flashbacks over <laughs> And Namor decides to continue I just just ruining humans' days. Um, and him and his cousin, um, who eventually becomes his wife later. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. about that. Because there's the same character name later in a different comic who is his wife. But in this one, she's his cousin. Um, and that's Dorma. Um, so... Namor and Dorma go to this island um, where there's a lighthouse and they knock on the door and Namor just like smacks the person that opens the door. Again, no questions asked, just wants to ruin people's day. Um, <laughs> so then he just starts wrecking stuff and um, Dorma gets taken, but Namor saves her. And then they fly up and they... They ruin the lighthouse so that it can't be a beacon anymore. Um, and then as an escape plan, Namor flies both of them up to a plane where he kicks out the pilot and um, tells Dorma to fly the plane to get out of there. And Namor just jumps off the plane. 
and <laughs> leaves Dorma <laughs> to go stash the plane somewhere. And that is where this issue ends. <laughs> yeah, that was a... I'll be honest, I started falling asleep at the end of the uh, the whole plane thing. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, oh, we, we're going to kill all of mankind. We're going to yeah. kill all the humans. And the best way to start is to knock the light bulb out of a... <laughs> Out of this remote, this absolutely remote island uh, yeah. lighthouse, and uh, and that's going to start killing people for free. Like we won't <laughs> even have to kill these people; they're just going to start run, running their boats right into this island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see, uh, and and we can see the progression. I hope you notice the progression in these comics of uh, art. Um how good the art is. <laughs> We've yeah. come a long way since the forties, not to take anything away from the, uh, the artists of old, but, but the, uh, the detail definitely gets better and better as we go. I'm but. just surprised that, um, the story was as violent as it was and that it like recognized quote unquote, the, the white men <laughs> like being colonizers. I thought that was kind of woke, for the 1939. Yeah, know. this is before, you know, U.S.'s involvement in the world in World War yeah. II, and uh, I guess I guess we get some uh, sea creatures that are just gonna straight up murder people. Yeah, yeah, but then it doesn't make these these people that are being attacked show up in a good light because they're just revenge driven. But I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting story we've got here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that is uh, one one telling of his origin. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to step next into the Fantastic Four, which is uh, 23 years later. And the comics have gone up now from 10 cents an issue to 12 cents an issue. Man. <laughs> that inflation is brutal back then. Oh my gosh. 12 cents. We're going to have to pick just one issue a week to, to read. <laughs> so Fantastic Four, number four. Danny, you going to cover this one? Yes. So it starts out with um, the Fantastic Four. They're like arguing because um, Human Torches, um, he went away because I think the thing made him mad and he just left and was like, I'm done. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bratty little teenager. Yeah. And the thing's like, well, do we have to go get him? And his sister's like, well, that's kind of my brother, so. <laughs> and we are the Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be like the Try Guys and just like drop one of them. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have to edit him out of all, all these comics. <laughs> 50 yeah. years of comics. <laughs> An elephant. <laughs> oh, we got some turkeys. <laughs> oh, go watch the try, guys. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they're like, okay, we gotta go find them. So they get in this little goofy car thing. <laughs> the fantastic car. It's goofy. I mean, it's got four sections, but they're like, oh, we can't bring Human Torch's section because he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a Disney ride. <laughs> the people mover. It does look like the people mover. 
So they all go their separate ways trying to find out where he is and um first um what's her name? Invisible woman. Invisible, Invisible girl. girl at this point. Oh, does she change into invisible woman? I think so. Oh. Um, well, she needs a drink before. Really surprised there wasn't a name brand on it. Like it was just a flat, flat out, you know, advertisement for Dr. Pepper or something. Yeah. And then Mr. Fantastic is just pulling people. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, have you seen this big fiery torch guy taking people off motorcycles and and stopping helicopters and stuff? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and instead of answering his question, he's like, "Oh my god, the Fantastic Four, you're real!" <laughs> and and the guy that he pulled, yeah, he pulled the guy off the off the motorcycle, and he's not upset at all. He's like, "Wow, no one's gonna believe that I, I met the Mister Fantastic. I'm gonna be a big man in the in the group now." <laughs> Yeah, um, but then we see um, the Human Torch just like working at a, a mechanic shop, and that's where the thing finds him. And um, he's like, "You can't go anywhere because there's gasoline everywhere." Uh, but then he just starts throwing a car at him, trying to get him back and. And then the thing starts turning into a human again for some Yeah, week. I'm not sure what happened there. The writers were like, we need we need an escape for him. So the thing <laughs> is just going to have a little internal crisis real quick. <laughs> so um, Human Torch just goes into this busy, busy town and goes into a little like hotel for men where they all sleep in the same room i guess um and he starts he finds this comic and it has um the submariner on it and and they're like whoa he's dead um but this guy over here he has the strength of of um of 10 men or 100 men just like he does He's like, mm, maybe you look like him. Let me just torch off your beard real quick. <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, it's him. thought you were dead. And um, so they that. And meanwhile, Mr. Fantastic is still um, stopping helicopters and trains. To look people. <laughs> <laughs> and then um uh invisible girl walks right past him <laughs> for some reason and and um the human torch then takes uh is he considered namor at this point or they just call him the submariner i guess well, he- submariner i mean who is suffering from amnesia yeah mm um, but he takes him to the ocean and he like gains his um, memory back and strength back, I guess. And he realizes that like, um, I guess everything is like destroyed. Radioactivity yeah, he, and stuff. He remembers that he's supposed to be killing humans. 
Like, wait. Document torch. <laughs> um, so he's basically he basically tells um, Johnny that, um, thanks for like getting me out of there, but I'm gonna go get revenge on your whole kind. And <laughs> that's where they that's where um Johnny finally is like, okay, I guess I need my friends back, so he calls the Fantastic Four to help him. And they come and Namor summons this big whale monster. Giganto. Is that what he calls it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big whale monster to destroy the town. And so uh, the town military like gets all the weapons and stuff. And and they call to evacuate New York City. <laughs> yeah. Evacuate. For the first time ever. Big whale that crashes a bunch of buildings. And then all of a sudden, the thing has a big atomic bomb on his back. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have an idea. Let me pull it out my inventory. He said he, he ran from military base to military base until he found a, a nuclear bomb. Yeah. <laughs> How many it's military just that bases? easy to find a nuke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm going to go jump in the whale thing and blow it up. So he does. Blow yeah, so th- this thing is destroying New York City. And he decides the best thing is just to run <laughs> from military base to military base until he finds a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. Which... Everybody knows the the sea creature has stopped destroying the city while he's doing this because otherwise <laughs> the fight would have been over by the time he gets there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Uh, good story. I like the arms on the uh, the sea creature whale thing. Got to have mm-hmm. arms or else he's not going to be much of a menace. Arms <laughs> and legs. Need the arms. Um, but. While they're talking to Namor after they kill the little whale thing. Little. (laughs) Um, Invisible Girl tries to seal his like horn thing, but he's like, but he just like reveals her presence anyway. He's like, wow, beautiful. Be my queen. (laughs) Namor princess. I was born to avenge my people and destroy all of humans. But w- oh, wait, pretty girl! <laughs> I'll stop all my revenge if you marry me. And she's like, "Okay, I'll do anything." <laughs> she's like, "Wow, this guy's more good-looking than my own husband." Are they married? Like, were they married to begin with, Sue and Mister Fantastic? Um. Well, she's still Sue Storm, so. I don't know um, if she's she's not Sue Richard. I thought yet. she always stayed Sue Storm. I'm not sure. But then, um, Fantastic Fantastic Four is like, no, you can't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we won't sacrifice her for all of mankind. <laughs> Humankind. So Human Torch makes this like tornado thing. Um, which gathers up the whale in Namor. And And only the whale in Namor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And he throws them in like the ocean, I think. Yeah. So that's exactly where you want to put Namor. Because he's they totally not going to come back. Deep in the ocean where he'll never find his way back. No. Nope. Totally. They're like, okay, well, I guess if he comes back, we'll, we'll beat him again. We'll be ready. For the next big whale. We'll just have the invisible girl show up in a bikini and it'll stop his rage again. Because <laughs> men of all species are just that simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I like there's uh, some of the some of the dialect, you know, again, in the 60s between men and women is just very cringy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Is this like an ad for the Hulk because like at the bottoms of pages and tops of pages, it's like, who is the Hulk? You've never seen anyone like the Hulk. Like was this before the Hulk existed? It might be. I was wondering the same thing timeline wise. If that's, if that's what was happening. Cause I was so confused. Like (laughs) reading like, who is the Hulk? I'm like, uh, he's the Hulk. Duh. I first saw it when, when the thing was changing into his man form, and I was like, "This, this is not the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> He's Orange Hulk." <laughs> mm-hmm. So in be- in between those two comics, in between 1939 and and 1962, something happened, right? Something worldwide happened, and big war. Uh, yeah, big war. <laughs> so during the war. Um, Namor actually fought alongside uh, Captain America and the original Human Torch and the Invaders. So we all know Captain America was a big World War II hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess Namor had found some uh, some divers down in the bottom of the ocean and... Uh, he was upset that these men were down there causing destruction. It turned out they were Nazis. So oh. he's like, Nazis are, are bad. They must be the the bad, the bad, baddest part of the, the humans. So he agreed to join the invaders. And the original Human Torch has nothing to do with, with Johnny Storm. Do you know the, who the original Human Torch is? No. The one from that <laughs> the one from that first comic that, that we didn't read that part of. But the Human Torch... Oh, okay. Um, it's actually one of the first, obviously, Marvel characters, and he was an android. He was an android that that they made uh, in a laboratory. Some some guy, some professor dude, made him, and he would catch on fire, and he could fly and stuff. Um, so he was actually a big character in Marvel for a while, and then uh, he got kind of destroyed and cloned, and part of his one of his clones um, was discovered by Ultron oh. when when Ultron was trying to embody his uh, intelligence so he put his his uh, consciousness into this android and that's what became the vision oh so a lot of times you'll see the vision and the human torch at, you know listed as the same person and that's because one of the human torches um, clones became vision which became an Avenger and West Coast Avenger and all that stuff. And later nice. later that same, the original Human Torch did come back into the West Coast Avengers and he hung out with them for a while. <laughs> um, but it gets a little confusing because... They have the same name. 
yeah, there there was also a human torch going on in the Fantastic Four. But yeah, that was pretty cool. Um and then also did did you somewhat wonder how Namor became uh had had amnesia and ended up in a hostel, basically? Yeah, what was up with that? So Paul Destine, which we haven't met yet, oh, yeah. he's gonna be in some of the okay. other issues. Uh, he eventually becomes, I think he becomes someone called Destiny. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, Paul Destini. Um, and he goes and attacks Atlantis because he's kind of crazy that way. And he finds the helmet of power and he uses the helmet of power to, uh, to give Namor amnesia. And that combined with his PTSD, which they actually named PTSD from the war and him, you know, starting to remember things that happened in the war that, that were horrible. Um, he, he kind of gets into that amnesic state and kind of fumbles around and from, from flop house to flop house, including at, at one point he and Bucky Barnes, Bucky Barnes, that's his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, who fought alongside him and the invaders. <laughs> Ended up in the same flop house, but both of them were so messed up that they didn't even recognize each other. Wow. Yeah, so all that happens in that 20-year gap that that goes between uh, us originally seeing him and him murdering divers and dragging them to some king like a like a cat would bring... Uh, <laughs> a cat dead would, squirrels to a porch. Would bring dead squirrels to its owner <laughs> saying, look what I got. <laughs> So yeah, so that so that happened. So very good. Next is the uh, saga of the Submariner. So the twelve issue limited series from the eighties. Who's covering that one? Is that you again, Amber, or is that me? Uh, you can do that one. I'll do the other one. Okay. So this one is uh, the f- the first issue of this mini series. Basically, is the retelling of of his. Uh, his origin story from his words. So he kind of narrates the whole thing, how he's the, the spawn of two worlds. He's the avenging son. He belongs to two worlds, but he belongs to, to neither of them. All that, all that good stuff that, that makes it very dramatic. So it tells the, it starts off by telling the story of the fall of Atlantis, how Atlantis was a, a great kingdom. And then I guess earthquakes and, and volcanoes happened at the same time. And probably some, some angry gods and yeah ends up uh you know plummeting to to underneath the water and it describes a new breed of uh species the homo mermanus homo mermanus um but nobody knows where they come from but that doesn't matter they just they're water dwelling people that can breathe underwater and they look somewhat human so they they show up and they start building their Atlantis back and taming the sea creatures and hunting and gathering and all that good stuff that people do when they build a civilization. And then they, they come to a great prosperous time and they, uh, I guess they erect statues to the great Neptune and, uh, everything's going good until, uh, those darn humans, <laughs> <laughs> darn humans are now they've, they've got a, uh, a salvage boat, which is looking for the uh, the shipwreck that I guess uh, 
Winston Churchill had sent this ship to go find vibranium in the mm. South Pole. That that wasn't exactly spelled out here, but that's what oh, okay. that other ship in the twenties. So was Winston Churchill around in the twenties? Maybe. Probably. I mean, he, he was, was the he was the, the king during the forties. So. Yeah, he was in charge of the fleet too before he was the prime minister. He was the military fleet leader guy. So he sends a boat down uh, to Antarctica to find this vibranium, and that boat sinks. So now the Oracle in uh, in the forties, I guess, is trying to find the shipwreck. And as they're breaking through the ice because they don't want to be, they they suspect that the other ship was crushed by ice. So they have to keep on breaking the ice in front of them so that it doesn't surround them. They have to do that with explosives. So they're just dropping TNT into the water to make sure that the, the ice breaks up. And of course, the TNT is going down underwater and hitting Atlantis and destroying their city. And nobody likes that. So, so as Amber had told in the first story, some of it kind of overlaps. The king says we need to uh, we need to find out what's happening. The king wants to send a, a group of people up to find out what's causing the explosions, and uh, he tells his daughter, um, who is Finn, Princess Finn, go get a, a group of men to uh, to go investigate what's happening. And she goes okay, and <laughs> but instead she goes to. I guess the local witch doctor, <laughs> scientist, yeah. or whatever he is, and uh, says, "Hey, the the king says you need to give me that special potion that that no one's ever supposed to use." And he goes, "Oh, okay, here it is." So uh, that special potion is some mixture of seaweed stuff that allows the Atlanteans to breathe above the surface of the ocean. So she grabs it, she drinks the whole thing just about, and says, "Okay, I'm." I'm going to go investigate. And of course that wasn't her father's wish, but she goes up there, sees the ship, sees that it's actually humans that are, are doing this. And, um, she gets up onto the, the boat and a couple of the sailors try to tackle her and she's got the strength of 10 men. And, uh, but she decides, well, maybe instead of like killing everybody, I, I can get to the bottom of this if I let them capture me after all. So they let them capture her, bring her to the captain the captain who is Leonard McKenzie. And, uh, and the captain's like, Hey, uh, you, you look kind of sickly there. You're all blue. <laughs> Maybe we can, uh, warm you up with this heavy coat and get you back to, uh, to health. And she's like, uh, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't need that. My bikini I don't know is just English fine. Yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only speak homo mermanus, mermanus. So, uh, I think uh, fast forward a little bit to uh, the Stockholm syndrome happening, and <laughs> she uh, she falls in love with the captain. The captain falls in love with her. In the course of like two days, they teach her English, how to read and write. <laughs> Very productive. Uh, these people, these sailors, have have mastered the the teaching of our language to uh, to mermaids. Um, and she has to dip her toes in the water every now and then so that she doesn't die, of course, and drink her little vial of magic liquid. But she, uh, she ends up going back down and tells her father, the, the emperor Thakor, what she's been doing. And he's like, I told you not to do that. That's horrible. Oh, but keep doing it. Seems to be working. <laughs> so she goes back up there again and 
they fall in love some more. They get married on the boat. And, uh, and just as it seems like they're going to have a, a happy ending, he wants to bring her back to, to America to get healthy. And she's like, no, we should got to hang around here a little bit more. And then her brethren come and, and attack the boat. So, uh, I guess they don't do that yet. They, uh, this is where that Paul Destini comes into play. So he yeah. is some kind of a mind reader of sorts. And he is dead set on finding this shipwreck. But in the course of that, finding the ancients that lived underwater. And uh, so he sets off with the captain on a little uh, side expedition to find this. And they find something, some vessel that's frozen in the ice. And he's like, I knew it. I knew uh, I knew that was there. So he says we should dig it out. And the captain says, no, we need to get back to the boat because I miss my, my mermaid. <laughs> and I guess something collapses and he's thought to be dead. An avalanche happens. And the captain's like, hey, uh, I'm sure that dude's dead. So let's go ahead and take the boat back to the, uh, <laughs> the big ship. <laughs> they don't even like try to say, hey, you think he might have survived the avalanche? No. He's dead. Let me get back to my blue girl. So they get back there, and and that's when the uh, the rest of the Atlanteans attack, and they attack the Oracle, and they supposedly kill the the captain, or at least they think they killed the captain, and they're there to risk rescue the princess, and I think they they blow up the boat pretty good, and take the princess back down, and of course she's upset, but um, she ends up having a baby couple months later nine months later i guess maybe <laughs> and that baby has pointy ears and nice blue hair with a widow's peak yeah and that is going to be the avenging sun spawn of two worlds yet fated to belong fully to none so yeah it was a, a good retelling of of that and i think that was even um there was a fantastic four annual back Back, they still make them, but back in the the old days, they would have like once a year they would have an annual. An annual would be a bigger comic, you know, thicker comic that would cost twice as much. So it might have been like a twenty four cent comic back then in the sixties. <laughs> and that that annual would would have um, kind of it would usually have a story that would kind of tie in to the main storyline, and then it would have kind of a side story. So there'd be multiple stories in in an annual. And then the first, the very first Fantastic Four annual, number one, um, they did have Namor telling his his story to, I think, the United Nations or something for some reason. Um, so this is a retelling of that um, in his own comic at this point. But yeah, that was a that was a good good start to a mini series. So yeah. I'll have to read the rest of that one and see see where that goes. I like how the mom like they gave her more of a character instead of you're you you could pass as a pretty girl go up there and seduce some men right I, I like how they gave her more than just that <laughs> but she was the uh the typical daughter of king yeah. who wants to be the warrior yeah but isn't allowed to be she i guess she's she's the first mulan <laughs> How does that fit in the timeline? <laughs> I yeah, yeah. I was gonna say she reminded me of Ariel. I guess Mulan happened 
hundreds of years before this story, though. <laughs> I got my timeline off a little bit. A little bit. All right, so that brings right. us up to Namor, the Submariner, yep. from 1990. Number one. So this one starts off with uh, Dr. Alexander, is that his name? Yep. And his daughter, and they are on the Oracle, or a ship called the Oracle now. Um, and they're kind of scientists, Um and they're somewhere in the Pacific. Um, and they're just chilling. Um, and they go to an island. So they, they, they're at this island. Um, and they're, they're looking for Namor. Because Dr. Alexander is kind of obsessed with him. Um, and he explains why later. So we cut to Namor. And he's, he's on this island. This like tropical island. And he's like, oh, I must be in the Pacific. And he sees these village people who are um, worshipping an airplane model thing. And he's like, oh, these people are whack. And he uh, (laughs) attacks them and destroys their airplane god. (laughs) Um, So, yep, he's Namor doing Namor things. um, Killing all these people. Um, (laughs) But then he sees... He kind of hallucinates a little bit once he's done rampaging. And he's like, oh my god, it's Dorma, my dead wife, alive again. <laughs> and she's like, nope. And he's like, oh, never mind then. It's Marina, my other dead wife. And she's like, nope. It's it's actually Dr. Alexander's daughter. And I don't know if we ever learned her first name. Because... Yeah. I don't remember. He just keeps calling. Namor keeps calling her Miss Alexander. So Miss Alexander's there and, and um, they're both the, her father's there too. And it's like, Oh, Namor's talking in his native tongue. I only know a couple of the words he's saying, but he's talking about his dead wives. So they, they calm Namor down and, and enough for them to ask if they can help him. Um, Cause he seems a little off. And Namor's like, sure, I'll trust you long enough for you to help me. Um, so then we cut to Namor wakes up and he's got um, like a, a blood recycling machine that Dr. Alexander um, uses for him. And Namor's like, oh, wow, I feel much better. What is this? And um, Dr. Alexander explains how the reason why Namor keeps going through these like mood swings, I guess, is he's either like on land for too long or underwater for too long. And so he kind of just like the oxygen imbalance is wrong. Um, and so that's why this like blood recycling machine is working, I guess, um, keeps him at a stable oxygen level long enough for him to not go into a rampage, I guess, <laughs> or forget who he is. Science. Science, because that's how that works. And so he's like, oh, that's cool. How does this work? And then for some reason, Dr. Alexander's like, this is how you were born. (laughs) And explains (laughs) Namor's birth to him, which is pretty similar to um, the other, the Submariner number one. Um, 
it's it's a little different, but mostly the same. Um, his mom is just yeah, much shorter. Um, his mom is wearing a different outfit and has cool little black eyes, which are cool. Um, so she looks she got a, a cool new update. <laughs> um, but it just tells the story of how her and um, Captain McKenzie fell in love and and gave birth to Namor and you know that's that's that he just explains that story and um the namor's like oh you know a lot about me and he's like yeah i heard you talk to the united nations and namor's like oh cool why are you researching me <laughs> why are you so obsessed with me doctor and the doctor explains how he was a huge fan of him um during the war um, when him and Captain America and Human Torch were like, you know, being honored. Um, he snuck out of school to go see the ceremony where Namor was being like rewarded. Um, and he was so excited, Dr. Alexander, as a kid, he was like um, on a bike and he was trying to chase after Namor um, to like say hi to him. But he biked right off a dock and into the water. Um, and that's a no-no. He thought he was going to die. But then Namor saved him. So he was like, oh my gosh, Namor, that's awesome. Um, and of course, he's like, I don't expect you to remember me. And Namor's like, I don't, but good job. Um, why are you a scientist? <laughs> and Dr. Alexander's like, well, you know, my dad spent all this money on the bike for me, but I just went and sold it and bought a, a textbook about uh, marine biology. And that made my mother proud. So <laughs> that's, that's how he became um, a scientist, I guess. He was just super obsessed with, with Namor. Um, and the, the daughters there also just listening to them. And, um, yeah, so then Namor's like, okay, cool. I'll keep hanging out with you guys. Um, and a little bit later we cut to this comic has like epilogue one and then prologue one and prologue two. So I don't know. We're just at a different point in the story now. Um, and Namor comes swooping in to the Oracle with a treasure chest and Miss Alexander's like, Oh my gosh, this is so much money. He's like, yep, I I like to rob shipwrecks when it's convenient to me. And she's like, oh, what are we going to do? Um, and he's like, I want you to help me um, get some power. And for humans and earthlings, like money equals power. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to... We're going to stop the humans from destroying the earth because that's what you guys are doing. You're just trashing the planet without even caring. And I'm going to stop that. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, and then he kisses her hand and she's like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he stops for a second to tell her that he was off, uh, you know, gallivanting underwater collecting this, this treasure, but he thought too much about how pretty her hair would be underwater yeah. <laughs> yeah. and how her eyes would be so pretty. <laughs> So he's busy simping over her and is like, yo, you guys, you and your dad should go be my, my business partners and, and do things so people don't think I'm doing them. 
Um, so then we cut to some other characters. We've got Miss Mars, and she's going to see her brother, and they're both really rich. Um, she asks the butler where her brother is, and the butler's like, oh, he's in the gun room. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's about to shoot himself. So she's like, stop. And he's like, why? Life is meaningless. <laughs> and, and she's like, bro, chill. It's okay. This company that used to be nothing just got bought for a whole lot of money. He's like, what? She's like, yeah, we can destroy them because now they're going to be a threat to us. And, and then we can, you know, be the richest people again and show everyone that we can destroy the other rich people. And so he's like, oh, now I'm intrigued. And then he's like, what's the company called? She's like, Oracle Inc. And so that's, dun, dun, dun. that's Namor's fake company with, and, with the Alexanders. And their names are Caleb and Carrie. The brother and sister? No, the, oh. the Alexanders. Oh, the dad is Caleb and the daughter's yeah. Carrie. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I remember they, they said Caleb, but I didn't know if that was referring to the doctor. Yep, so that's a, a much more uh, modern telling, of course. Uh, Got to get a little backstory in there, but then we get some science. We get some yeah. uh, some Wall Street action. <laughs> <laughs> very, very 90s. And you a can little tell bit less killing, maybe. Yeah, did yeah the story is definitely, definitely <laughs> progressed. The storytelling has definitely progressed. And comics in the 90s start getting a lot more elaborate in their stories and yeah and sometimes the the writers use them to uh to kind of parody or or even uh go against the what's happening in the world mm. so yeah that was a that was a good issue also so who are the brother and sister are they just some rich folks or are they like important in any yeah, i don't ways? know if they, i don't know if they just show up in this or if they're because there is like that Oracle Inc. does kind of find its way throughout the comics. Um, and there is those other, if you remember back to the uh, the Rocks on days of the oil stuff when we talked about the, the Mighty Thor, you know, there was that company that was kind of made it through many, many different uh, comic books, the oil company. So I don't mm -hmm. know if this is another one of those companies that has found itself in a couple different issues or, or if this is something new to this story. Hmm. But, yep, pretty neat. So, have you heard Namor being referred to as Marvel's first mutant? No. Have you heard that before? Mm -mm. They they use that to, to market him a lot, the first mutant. And uh, they call him that not because he's been confirmed to, to have mutant genes, but they refer to him that because most of his superhuman powers right he's he's very strong and, and everything mm -hmm. most of his super, superhuman powers come from the fact that he's a hybrid of both human and atlantean mm. dna um but all that being said no one can explain how he flies yeah so they think that his ability to fly must be some some either form of telekinesis because they don't think the wings on his feet are there for propulsion they mm -hmm. think that's there for steering Oh. And something else is propelling, and maybe telekinesis. So, so that's why he's ex explained to be a, a mutant because 
despite his his great strength that interesting has obviously been born out of being deep in the water where the the pressures of the water itself would make you strong much like the the non-pressure of the moon would make you weak um so he's he's strong for sure but how can he fly so he must be a mutant hmm that's an interesting theory. he had to run in with professor x um, oh. when he was going through his uh PTSD stuff and going through amnesia Professor X actually cured his amnesia for a little bit hmm. and they went off and they fought some they fought against Magneto <laughs> and then he uh, he got hurt and went back into his amnesia state again Oof. Yeah, very hmm. cool good 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 uh, character yeah who is similar but nowhere <laughs> Nowhere close at the same time to the character that we saw in Black Panther. Yeah. yeah. I wonder why they changed his origin story a little bit. Like they, they moved Atlantis from um, Antarctica to like off the coast of South America, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that and just re- makes more sense for renamed it. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they changed his like mom's origin story. I, I liked the mom, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that they changed it in the MCU. Yep. There's a there's a lot of stuff that I'm not sure. Like, they can't um, have him by himself in any promotion for the movie because they don't have his rights for a solo movie. Oh, so Universal, no. Universal still holds the rights to any kind of Namor solo movie that's why, why they had to introduce him this way i don't know it, I, huh. it's just still their their property i guess but they can have him in someone else's story interesting so i don't know if they had to diverge from his origin maybe. story of the comics yeah maybe they can use the name that. atlantis for that reason also mm-hmm. yeah. hmm. very good I think we have gotten to the end of this episode. This is a good little uh, jaunt down the full history of Marvel Comics, really. Yeah, all the way to the beginning. From day one, just about, yeah. So that was that was good. Hopefully uh, the listeners enjoyed that, and uh, hopefully we have, we have influenced you to go and seek out some stories of Namor and, uh, and read some for yourself, because they are, they are good stories. He didn't say his catch because lo- his catchphrase once in any of these comics. Oh yeah, true. In- Indominus Rex is that what it is? Imperious. Imperious Rex. Imperious Rex. Yeah, I wonder where that comes in. Probably somewhere in that uh, twelve issue miniseries. Yeah. Because that seems like an eighties kind of thing. <laughs> well, very good. Well, thank you as always for listening to our podcast. Uh, check us out on our socials and our, our uh, YouTube channel. And uh, stay tuned for more uh, Marvel goodness in the weeks to come. We're gonna we're kind of bouncing back and forth between comics and video games lately. So next episode will probably be somewhat game related, if I if I can uh, speculate that. <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll have to find some other characters to to do a deep dive into. <laughs> brought it back <laughs> brought it back one more time 
So thank you as always for listening. And until next time, peace, peace out, out and geek, geek out. out. Thank you for listening to the Family Geekery Podcast. For more information, visit www.familygeekery.com. Don't forget to subscribe at your favorite podcast provider. And until next time, peace out and geek out.